Hello, everyone, and welcome to a meeting that's being recorded, uh, as Greg and I just found out via a helpful uh, little announcement. We'll see. I don't know if that'll make it into the final audio clip or not, but uh, the meeting that's being recorded is uh, an edition of the Monday check-in, but we're doing it on Tuesday. Don't tell anyone. Uh, my name is Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor, and the, the shock for both of us, we've been recording these podcasts weekly for over a year now, and uh, we use Zoom as our platform, and Zoom has added a feature that there's an audio voice that just comes on and tells you that the meeting is being recorded, and that's never happened to us before. That must be a new uh, privacy feature in Zoom so that everybody knows what's happening. I would guess so, yeah. It'll be interesting to see when we listen to this recording if that voice also comes across and then you all will also know that this meeting is being recorded. Yeah. I hope that's like the very first thing that comes up. Uh, that'd be fun. That, that could be our intro song. It wouldn't confuse anyone who was listening to it, I'm sure. <laughs> and, uh, Damon, you do realize that uh, you did admit that we're doing this on Tuesday, even though you said nobody's gonna know i did well i said not to tell anybody but now everybody knows well but we didn't tell them necessarily <laughs> they know but we didn't tell them yeah well uh damon <laughs> got some much needed and much deserved uh time off and so uh that is why we're recording on tuesday not because uh we are slackers or lazy right exactly mm-hmm uh, and so the Monday check-in for those, the thing that we're recording, uh, which is being recorded, is uh, Greg and I, uh, we have a little bit of chat. We preview the scriptures that we're going to use for the upcoming worship service. Um, and then we, we kind of investigate that a little bit. Uh, Greg gets some ideas for the sermon. And uh, then we switch gears and talk a little bit about life of First Press Hastings. Uh, what's going on, what folks should be aware of. So uh, would you like to offer the opening prayer today? I'd love to. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we just celebrated Pentecost and the birth of the church, the Holy Spirit descending and being poured into your followers so that we can be bearers of your love and your light and your holy word and your spirit into the world. And so, God, this morning we ask for that spirit to be made known amongst us. May your spirit give us inspiration as we read your word with fresh eyes and think about how it may speak to us and our lives and our context and our call. Give us the wisdom to be able to discern what it is that your spirit is inspiring us to do and give, the, give us the courage to follow through. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So this coming Sunday is, as you mentioned, Greg, the Sunday after the first Sunday after Pentecost, um, which I think is probably the first Sunday of ordinary time. Yes. And what, what I usually call, uh, I tend to call this section of ordinary time, I tend to call it growing season. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's that ties into our agricultural cycles here, but also a chance for us to grow. 
And those who are high liturgically minded uh, also celebrate Trinity Sunday on the Sunday after Pentecost Sunday. And there's actually kind of a cool um, sequence if you're following the, what are called these feast days or these, these observances, because you do Ascension Sunday, which is Christ ascending into heaven. And so that's focused on, um, on Jesus on Ascension Sunday. And then you have Pentecost Sunday, which focuses on the Holy Spirit. And then you have Trinity Sunday, where you can bring it all together, focus on God, the creator and, and, and do it all. Uh, and I find myself uh, preaching more often than not more of a, what I'll call a didactic sermon or a theological treatise on sort of explaining and justifying the Trinity on Trinity Sunday. And I just am not feeling that this week. Uh, I, I, for some reason, I, I'm not feeling a need to uh, explain or theologically dissect the Holy Trinity. Uh, mm -hmm. So we've got a couple of scriptures that are assigned for this Sunday through the lectionary. We're going to use the lectionary and, and we'll, we'll talk about the Trinity. I've already picked a couple Trinitarian hymns and uh, written a, a couple Trinitarian prayers. And so we'll, 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 we'll tip our hats to the Holy Trinity, but I don't know that that's the, the, the primary focus of the sermon this week. We'll see. The spirit may still be leading us into that Trinitarian yeah. discussion. Yeah. Anything can happen. So, I mean, most Sundays we make some sort of tip of the cap towards the, towards the Trinity. Indeed. Uh, although less formally as other uh, Christian traditions uh, sure. who have a standard greeting at the beginning of every service, which is Trinitarian or a standard closing. Although my standard benediction actually does speak to the, speak to the Trinity. I talk about God, the creator. I talk about Jesus Christ and I close with the Holy spirit, which abides with you each day. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah. all right, well, let's dive into these scriptures. Uh, we've got two, one from Romans and one from the gospel of John. Uh, we'll start here with Romans chapter eight, 12 through 17. Uh, this would be the apostle Paul writing. So then brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. And that's where that reading ends. Uh, and then we jump into the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews, he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. 
do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And that's where that reading ends. Greg, what do you got? Lots of great stuff uh, in both of these. And uh, I was sort of stymied as to what direction it was going to take. But then uh, Damon and I were talking before we hit the record button. Um, and I think I have a direction, but we'll see how the Holy Spirit moves us at this point. Um, Starting with that Romans passage, though, uh, I love this idea about the spirit of adoption. And then um, I love the insertion of the uh, Hebrew in there. When we cry out, Abba, Father, and Abba is like saying, Daddy. Um, and there's an intimacy with God that is expressed in, um, in this passage in Romans that touches me every time I read it. Um, and, and we cry out, Daddy. And, it, and when we do that, it's that very spirit, God's spirit, bearing witness within our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. And I just love this intimacy of a parent and a child um, and this reassertion of our identity as children of God. It, it touches me every time I read it. I read a portion of Romans 8 at almost every funeral that I do. Uh, it's one of my go-to funeral scriptures. Um, and it's not most of this, but the part about being adopted and being children of God is, is yeah. something that I read nearly every funeral that I do. So I love this uh, passage from Romans. I'm, I'm, there are passages in Romans that make me scratch my head. This is one that just opens my heart and makes me uh, smile. So. Yeah. Well, that's the apostle Paul in my opinion. I, yeah, there are parts where, yes, I'm I'm right on with you, Paul. I think that's great. I love that. There's other parts that he needed an editor, right? Is what he needed <laughs> because it doesn't like it. It's like clause built on clause built on clause built on clause, and man, you got to work real hard to track it if it can be tracked. Um, and he was writing letters, right? It wasn't <laughs> he wasn't writing you know, theological treatises, right? That's not right. what he was. Um, there are treatise elements, certainly, in them. Um, that wasn't his primary purpose. His primary purpose was to stay connected to the communities um, where he had been, um, where he had taught and preached, and to help to continue to foster their, their growth. Um, Although the community in Rome, he had never actually visited. That's true. Right. Yeah. When he, when he wrote the letter to the Romans, he had not yet been to Rome. Uh, but he had heard news from them about the 
birth of this new church. And so he was writing them to advise them and to help them resolve some of the disputes they were having and to remind them, well, in this case, to remind them who they are. Um, right. Yep. And, it, and, and also like within those communities, there seems to always have been some sort of fracture, right? Some sort of fissure. In Rome, it had a lot to do with uh, tension between uh, Jewish believers in Christ and Gentile converts. Yep. And, and coming from different communities, different backgrounds, uh, different theological interpretations and understandings, and trying to figure out how to live together. Like, <laughs> is it okay that we're both here? Is it not okay? What's our new set of beliefs and practices um, and that sort of thing? And I wonder if, if part of that isn't why, because Paul does seem to kind of hit this idea of unity, right? Like unity in Christ over and over again. Um, and this was, I know I missed this past Sunday, but, you know, a couple of Sundays ago, you, we, or you talked about um, the love being sort of the, the ligament that binds people together, like people of faith together. And this carries on that yes. idea. It's like, there's this heavy idea, this theme of connection. Um, and, and how are we connected to God, the Father, and to Christ, and, and to the Spirit as well. And then to each other as well, right? right? Um, and this acknowledgement that we are all children of God is that unity, right? So, and, and of course, Paul goes on right there, in, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free male nor female, for we're all one in Christ Jesus. But it's a repetitive theme that comes up over and over again, because he is trying to help unify this early church. And it is interesting that here we are the first few decades of the early church and already there is division within the church. And so Christ is, or Paul is writing to try to rectify that division, pointing us back to our unity in Christ. Um, so yeah, there's some good stuff there to, to unpack and, and I could probably reflect on that. But, uh, but this passage from John three is, is an interesting one. And, uh, particularly the fact that, uh, Right at the very beginning in 3.2, that Nicodemus is a leader of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And so we've got Nicodemus sneaking around uh, because he's recognizing there's something special happening with Jesus, but his, his community would not be pleased with him interacting with this Jesus. And so he has to sneak around and do it at night, but he comes first acknowledging that there's something special happening with Jesus, but really with an open heart and a lot of questions, right? Curiosity. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think in this passage, this is another one of those passages where how we think of Nicodemus approaching this situation makes a huge difference. Right. Uh, and I think it's fairly traditional to assume Nicodemus is taking an adversarial position. Right. Um, and that he's he's come. He's another one of these Pharisees that's come to try to kind of trip up Jesus and, and that sort of thing. Um, the text doesn't really give that kind of an indication. Um, if anything, it's Jesus that's being a little standoffish here in this passage. Um yeah, he. If we assume that Nicodemus is just is coming from a place of of genuine curiosity, what is going on with this uh, with this person, and 
and really trying to understand what Jesus is saying. Um, and that makes a huge difference. And then I think Nicodemus becomes actually a model of faith for us and models this willingness to re-examine what, what he thought that he knew or what we think that we know. Um, and a willingness to ask questions like, how many times in a meeting have you said, does anybody have any questions? And there was like, no, no, no questions. And then as soon as the meeting was done, <laughs> you got 10 questions plus three emails that had questions in it. Right, right. And uh, yeah, so I'm wondering, David, maybe, uh, maybe I will sort of edit John 3, 1 to 17 to like a script or a dialogue and you and I can have it as if uh, we are Jesus and Nicodemus, because like Nicodemus's first question in three, four, how can anyone be born after having grown old? The, the tone is everything here, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the Pharisee trying to trip up Jesus or somebody who's authentically curious. And so how can anyone be born after having grown old is one way to ask that question. Right. Or how can anyone be born after having grown old? Yeah. Can yeah. one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And I like that you just presented Nicodemus as asking it that second way. Not that he's trying to trip Jesus up, not that he's trying to um, quiz him, but he's authentically curious. He's coming with this curiosity, not, you know, Jesus is upsetting the apple cart in the Jewish world, but Nicodemus sees something special there. And so he's coming with an open heart and authentic questions. And um, there's something that I, that I say regularly is it's very difficult to hold curiosity and anger at the same time. And so if somebody's perspective is upsetting you, if you can approach that person with curiosity, like how, please help me understand how you came to believe this the way you did, not in a sarcastic way, but in a legitimate, once you enter that space and, and really engage your mind in curiosity, you're not going to be angry at that person, even if their perspective is one you disagree with, because you are really trying to seek mm-hmm. understanding or empathy, right? Yeah. 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 And I, I, um, that, and I also, and I think maybe I've preached this before, um, that question in particular, how can anyone be born after having grown old? It, I think you can read that and think, what, what has, how long has Nicodemus been at this, right? And how many people has Nicodemus known? Uh, and how often has he watched people, like once you learn a way of doing something, how, like genuinely, how hard is it to learn a different way of doing it, right? Uh, and for himself, possibly as well. Like that's like once we've grown old in our ways, whatever that means, right? Like once we've become accustomed to seeing ourselves in a certain way and seeing the world around us in a certain way, and and thinking of our neighbors in a particular, it's it's really hard to not do that anymore. So like the question of how <laughs> how can that happen um to me there's this sense that nicodemus not that nicodemus doesn't believe what jesus is saying not that he doesn't understand what jesus is saying but a question of i know people and (laughs) and i don't know that they can do this um which i think is a a totally different way of going about it yeah 
And I think also like if you were in a conversation with someone and you asked them a question and they started their response by saying, very truly, I tell you, I would be like, okay, calm down. (laughs) This is, there's a, there's a, it's a very elevated stance to start your sentence, your response off with. Yeah, no. And, and so (laughs) like you said earlier, Nicodemus is often as the one portrayed as, as the aggressor or the one coming to try to trip up Jesus. But if you read Nicodemus's questions with authenticity, then all of a sudden Jesus looks like he's a little bit more uh, the, uh, the stronger one in this. Um, but yet it feels like they come to some mutual understanding, right? Jesus takes this moment to, to learn and, and Nicodemus has the humility and empathy to, to listen and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but but again in three nine, Nicodemus said to him, "How can these things be? You see an authentic curiosity here. I think I don't think it's a it's a it's a trying to trip him up. It's it's like I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. Like you said, I've known one way for so long, and 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 I'm committed to that way, right? Yeah. We, we read that Nicodemus is a leader of the Jews, so he's he's committed to this. Yeah, and um, this is one of the things that when we talk about the polarization that we experience and whatnot, once you've committed to an idea, there's, there's a certain amount of investment that you now have in that idea. And so divesting yourself from that idea, being exposed to an alternative viewpoint that actually changes your mind is that much harder. But I think Nicodemus models what that could look like for us um, in terms mm-hmm. of approaching things with curiosity and, and empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, the setting of the scene, I think, re- relays some of that um, emotion. I feel that Nicodemus, for some reason, feels the need to come by night um, to do this. Whether maybe maybe other folks wouldn't be so thrilled with him, maybe um, going and talking to Jesus. Maybe um, if if his colleagues began to suspect that he had some sort of uh, doubt or was reevaluating things, then they wouldn't uh, be as happy to work with him or, you know, whatever. He might his position of power, right? Yeah, he might lose some stature, some status um, in the community that I think reflects that sort of the outside pressure that we sometimes feel of the, like, no, just stay right where you are. Just keep doing the things that you're doing. Uh, no need to explore that or that or anything else. I just you're good. We're good. We're the A team. Everybody else is the B team. Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that that also reinforces this reading that you and I are doing of this in that Nicodemus isn't coming to trip him up because we read plenty of other stories in the Gospels where Pharisees confront Jesus in order to trip him up and they do that publicly. They do it in a mm-hmm. setting where other people are listening because they're going to try to trip him up. And Jesus even calls him on it sometimes, right? And in this case, if, if Nicodemus is sneaking in in the dark of night, it's, he's not there to trip him up. He would do that in a public setting. He's there because he's authentically curious. Um, and, and, and Jesus kind of doubles down on the, the, the strong responses, right? Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? And then he says again, very truly, I tell you, right? But, but, but I love the way in 317, he ends it, Right? Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so Jesus does have a strong response to Nicodemus a couple of times, but then ends it with this incredible story of love, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God didn't send the world into the world to condemn, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so, yes, he's coming on strong, but the end result is, is, is beautiful. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like this story. Uh, I think it's one that we miss a lot of times um, and or maybe try to, I don't know, not necessarily step around, but um, yeah, you don't get the sense that in part because it has to do with being born again. Uh, and that's not always like a thing that we're really comfortable <laughs> talking about. And a lot of different Christian traditions have a different understandings of, of what being born again means. Um, and, and so there's some explaining or, you know, like talking through that has to be done <laughs> related, uh, related to that. Um, you don't get the sense here that, that Nicodemus thinks that Jesus is wrong to say that people need to be born again and to be born of the spirit. I just get the sense that he, he wonders how possible right. that really is um, for folks. And I think the, the link back to Trinity Sunday for me is a lot of people have the same curiosity and questions about the Trinity, right? It's difficult to explain and understand and wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. Right, God in three persons, three, one, one, three. And if we approach it with authentic curiosity and the desire to know and learn, even though we may not figure it all out, um, I think it's okay. Um, the, way, the way I came to peace with this one was uh, reading uh, Aquinas. Wrote a book called the Summa Theologica, which is a really bold title, the summary of the th- of theology, right? Um, and he 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 used this same sort of method of questioning. He would pose a question, seek to answer it, offer a counterpoint, and resolve it. And he walks through all the different points of theology using this: pose a theological question, answer it, counterpoint it, resolve it. Then he gets to the Trinity, and what is the Holy Trinity? Tries to answer it, counterpoints it, and the resolution is, it's a mystery. And that, like, that put my heart at ease because, like, okay, because <laughs> if Aquinas can't even explain it in the Summa Theologica using words, I think I'm okay. And 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 like Nicodemus, I believe now help my unbelief, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I, I feel at peace with that. So I think there's a connection in the Trinity that I may or may not try to make in my sermon, um, but less about trying to explain the Trinity or offer a, tr- a treatise on the Trinity, but just say, hey, if we can approach it with the same curiosity of Nicodemus and just ask the questions as we're yeah. called to do, I, yeah. we're going to be, we're going to be okay. Well, I think it'll preach. I think so. Yeah. Uh, should we switch gears? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's wrap up and, 
update on what's going on in the life of the church. So the, the programmatic year for the church is, has, has largely wrapped up. Our adult ed is done. Our, our children's ed is done. Uh, we are headed towards Vacation Bible School, which will be June 1st through 3rd. That's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right after Memorial Day weekend. Um, and we're still taking sign up. So if you've got children or grandkids who want to do Vacation Bible School, get them signed up. Uh, you can find those sign up, that sign up on our church website. Uh, and we also are still looking for volunteers. Steph told me this morning we're, we're, we're looking good on volunteers, but can always use more. Um, I will tell you that uh, I just signed up to volunteer today. And uh, as did my wife, we were unsure about where we were going to be and when that week. And we know we're going to be here. So we are, uh, we're going to be volunteering. Um, as is my 11-year-old daughter, Esther. She's going to work with pre-K kids. So uh, please feel free to join us if you'd like to. We'd love to have you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine that maybe, well, maybe if people just show up that day, there could probably be things for them to do and to help out with. Yes, but if you can let Steph know you're going to be there, up. that would be better. Okay. <laughs> um, also kind of tangentially related, we also have, uh, I'm getting ready to head out on Go and Serve in a couple of weeks. We got to, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to it a lot. We're headed down to Biloxi, um, Mississippi, and we've got a great, group of kids. We head out on June 4th. We get back on the 13th. Uh, folks probably received a stock sale letter uh, in the mail. If folks want to support, that's financially, that's great. Uh, if folks want to just continue to offer prayer and support, that's uh, also uh, wonderful and, and greatly encouraged. So, And we will be uh, at worship on Sunday offering a commissioning prayer for our Go and Serve teams, as well as a commissioning prayer for our VBS volunteers. And so we hope you can join us. Uh, we were talking about doing worship in Alexander Park on Sunday at 1030. Uh, that is the plan. However, the weather forecast looks like it may not cooperate, in which case we would just move into our sanctuary. Not a problem. Um, we are doing worship in person as well as streaming. There's no need to RSVP or make reservation systems for in-person worship. Uh, we are taking everyone. Uh, we have not hit our social distancing capacity in the sanctuary since we've been doing this. So please come join us. That's this Sunday, the 30th. Um, again, we'll, we'll send a note out on Friday about whether it's going to be in the park or in the sanctuary based on the weather forecast. But if we go on the weather forecast today, uh, we're probably not going to be outdoors. Uh, right now is an 80% chance of thunder showers on Sunday morning. So that makes it a little difficult to do worship. Um, I don't really want to get struck by lightning as I'm trying to, uh, you know, yeah. A good story. They talk about it for years. <laughs> they still talk about that fire. <laughs> you'd get, Thank you. You'd be I don't in, be story fodder, Damon. But you'd thanks. be in the book. Imagine right. the legend that would grow around that. Yeah. Uh, after that, we're launching into our uh, summer series. We go off lectionary. We will continue to do our uh, our our Monday check-in, but uh, we'll be doing a few weeks on children's literature. We've got six books lined up for that. And then following that, we have our summer sermon song series uh, and actually have, I think, one or two slots left, but those are filling up quickly as well. So if you've got a song that you think would make a great sermon, send it to us. We'll see if we can put in the rotation. If we get too many songs, uh, we'll do a podcast about the songs that don't make the rotation this year. Uh, we've actually, and, and to promote the Summer Sermon Song Series this year, I'm going to promote the podcasts that you and I did like a while ago uh, on the Summer Sermon Song Series songs that didn't make the lineup. And uh, we're going to push those out and encourage people to listen to those. So. Yeah, and I said, challenge us. 
Come on. Give, give me something hard. You're asking for it, man. Yeah. Asking you shall receive. All right. Well, I, uh, I need to go lead Bible study. So can you close us with a word of prayer? I sure can. Let me, gracious God, thank you for your spirit, which moves uh, through and around us and connects us to one another and draws us to you and to your son. As we move throughout our day and throughout our week, uh, help us to approach ourselves and those around us and the world with curiosity. Uh, help us to be open, open to your love, to your nurture, and to your challenge, maybe also if we need that. In your gracious and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. With all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.